you doing, John? It's how you're doing. Are you going to talk about that? About what? Oh. Oh, I don't want to say anything if you're I mean, if you don't want to. I wasn't planning on it. it no. This is a pod, that's this is why this is a podcast. So people don't have to see my messed up face. <laughs> They're going to. You're going to be in That's right. San Francisco yeah, in a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that's that this is the topic you lead with is my disfigured face, John. We could lead appreciate with that. Uh, appreciate that. We could lead You we know could, what are friends for? We, I I can <laughs> I can I can transition onto a uh, Asking if you have your poop app installed to make sure you're covered. Oh, the, the poop map? Uh, make sure you're taking shoes that you, you can throw away because you're not going to want to bring them back. Do they make... Um, what about those little disposable little covers you put over your, your, your just shoes? Just grab a bunch from the airport. Yeah. Those, those little socks yeah. they give huh? you, just grab a bunch, stick those yeah, on your that's shoes. That's a good idea. That's, that is a pro tip, John. That is a pro tip. <laughs> Free shoe covers. <laughs> I guess the bearing the lead, I'm not going. Did we we didn't talk about that before? We haven't talked yeah, about so that. you're not going. Just too busy, right? Too much going on. Too much going on. Yeah, I am. So I'll be there, paying full rate for my hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure out a, a use of my double beds I have now. My 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 double queen beds. Oh, should, should, I, should I lay oh. across them somehow? Should I push them? Together? Oh, I know. I'll push them together and make a huge find, bed. Find uh, find someone who needs a room. That's true. Bunk. That's true. Make a new friend and bond. I also they just won't spoon like I was planning on. So so. because you're not going, we're talking about TDX. I don't know if you mentioned it, but yeah, because you're not going, I also changed my. Oh wait a minute, you have to clarify because people are getting confused between TDX and Trail uh, Texas Dreaming. No, 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 I'm talking about Trailhead DX. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to Texas Dreaming. I'm not. uh, I'm not planning on it. Yeah, okay. But no, I I changed my flight plan. So I was going to leave San Francisco on Friday, which is the day after it's over. Last day is Thursday. But now I've changed it. I'm going to, I'm actually, well, I'm still leaving Friday technically, um, but it's like 1230 in the morning. So I'm taking the red eye back. Okay. This was, uh, I was actually a little bit inspired by Roger Mitchell. And I, and I think I could have flied back earlier. I could have flown back Thursday night, but honestly, this is kind of sad, but I want to be able to go and have like one final meal and, and nice beverages um, <laughs> before I go home. Back so. when I was still planning on going, that was my dilemma was how long do I stay? I, I, I was actually thinking about staying a little bit longer, maybe staying through Saturday, flying out on a Saturday meeting. But um, yeah, so I'll, I'll, you know, I'll have Thursday night to go hang out. So Mr. Newly, if anyone, newly minted MVP, you're going to go to the MVP drinks on Tuesday? Oh, is that Tuesday? I haven't received... I feel like I'm not an MVP. First of all, I don't know anything about this drink thing. I didn't get any did kind you, of invite. Did you get access to the org? I coveted I think 62. So. Yeah, I think so, but I don't know what to do well, with it's it. It's chatter. I don't... You know how many things I have to log into already? I, 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 don't, I don't have time to log into more things. I don't. You should, you should see the t- chatter digest emails I already get. It's way too much. Yeah. Um, oh, when, it, when, when you're, you log into an org and your client's chatter feed gets get sent to you oh, as well. Oh yeah, and I've got all of my clients. I've got all this, uh, the different success community. I don't know what, sorry, what do they call it now? Trailblazer groups or something? I don't know. But I've got like the power of us stuff, the success community stuff, all these different things that I get. So yeah, I, 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 I did um, get authenticated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Got my username and password set up for org 62. Yeah. What's this? What's the, what was the old uh, show? Car 54? Car 54? Is that what it was? Oh. You I thought that? you were going to say like Studio 66 no, like, or what? Is that what it is? Studio 66? Or? No. Oh my gosh. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> no, Car 54. You, you didn't watch that? It's a black and white show. Like I know of it. Okay. I've never watched it. Anyway. Car 54, where are you? You don't remember that? I, n- I remember Scooby-Doo, where are you? Okay. That's a show. That's a different thing. That's a show. We still watch Scooby-Doo. I still, I still spend 20 bucks on Scooby-Doo because my son loves it. Actually, I love it too or I wouldn't, but... Um, I'll tell you that nerdy girl in the movie. She was she's hot. Which movie? The the like the original Scooby Doo movie from like I don't know, ten years ago or whatever that was. The live action movies? No, it was the brunette. Yeah, yeah, the live action. Oh, Velma. And she was yeah she was in. Um, so you're into Velma, She was in huh? a good Netflix show with uh, with uh, Coach Taylor, not Coach Taylor. Is that his name from uh, Wait, Friday Night Lights? Are we talking about the cartoon or actress? I'm going. I'm all over the place. No, the actress, live action. I'm not talking about any weird, okay. weird animation stuff. I'm just trying to figure this out. I'm not out. that weird. <laughs> Where were we? Oh yeah, back to the. You know, I so I have no idea when the MVP thing is. I mean, I don't. 
I don't think I've seen anything about it. I don't know about it. And also, um, you know, they ran out of codes or whatever. So I'm, you know, I'm not getting, I'm not the MVP. I'm not getting the, uh, the, the discount or whatever it is on. The, so I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't understand why they, how that works. I, I guess I'm new. I don't, or maybe I was too late. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so whatever. Um, is it, well, let me ask you this, John, as an experienced MVP, should I, should I go to that or should I just like go do my own thing? Uh, this is already way too much MVP talk, by the way. Yeah, it is. I, I don't know. I I went to to a few. It was nice to meet a bunch of people. You get free drinks. Is there free booze? Okay, I'm there. Yeah. All right, I'll be there. All right. So TDXA, you're not going. So if and if anyone else is either staying until Friday or doing a red eye like I am, um, let's figure something out for Thursday night. I want to have a yummy meal and maybe hit up a one or two of my favorite local little breweries there. Yeah, speaking of which, um, are you going to host <laughs> we the happy have hour? We have an audience. <laughs> What's that? Uh, hosting the happy hour there? <laughs> it's just more work for you. <laughs> That's true. You're creating work for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, now he's got to market. Yeah, no. Actually, uh, <laughs> I have no marking capability except for oh. completely manual. That's right. Oh, where are we at? 14.30. So it's like getting a raw feed, huh? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, what'd you ask me? Oh, our happy hour. Yeah. The good day, sir, happy hour, right? <laughs> I, McKellar seems fine. I mean, that was that was a good place. I like McKellar. Oh yeah, they have, they make Huge their own tap. amazing beers, and they have yeah. a lot of good um, guest beers. Yeah, and then like the you know all the all the sausages you can stuff in your yeah. mouth. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was my that was my highlight Title right there. Tossing a few, toss, uh, you know. So John, we have no. I don't even have a computer with me. We have no. We don't have the live team this time. So, so titles are all on us. We're not even in our studio. We haven't even addressed that part yet. Well, that's pretty obvious, right? Yep, we're back at the Growler Phil. <laughs> it's called Cork and Growler. I was. I wasn't sure if we were allowed to advertise on this show. You said no advertising. No, I advertise for free <laughs> for my friends. These are my friends. So we are at Cork and Growler in Frisco, Texas. Yep. Good beer. Good people. And uh, we have to talk about this beer you brought. This is this is the the episode where I finally get to try the key lime pie. Yeah, key lime pie goza. It's a goza. I need more. And, by uh, the way. People, uh, I gotta say, I, I I think I've had more positive response to this beer than probably any of the previous fifty five beers I've made. It's it's a good one. I mean, for one, I like I like the the goza part of it. I'm kind of way too many IPAs, but. Uh, it, on the nose, you get the key lime and you get the the, the, the crust, cracker, yeah, it's got, it's which all, was surprising. Yep. That's that's why when I first tried it, I was I was saying the whole time, I wish I didn't know what it was because I, I couldn't tell if it was my mind playing tricks on me because I knew what it was supposed to be, or if that's what I was really was having. But yeah, on on the nose and on the taste, it's right on. It's a great beer. Yeah, that's why I called it. It's not because I've had key lime pie like Berliners and key lime pie gozas before mm. that are good, um, like Westbrook we were talking about earlier. Westbrook makes one. Um, but this is specifically a key lime pie, like emphasis on pie. That's why I got the, I was going for that kind of the graham cracker and vanilla thing. Um, mm. So it really tastes like a, and what's great about this, not only is it, did I, do I feel like I, I accomplished that key lime pie flavor with the graham cracker crust and everything, but it's also only 4%. Oh, wow. Know, John. Really? Yep. I'm not telling you, this is like, this is the, this is going to be the go-to summer pool beer. I've already got, I've gotten multiple orders for kegs of this already. You're going to start mass producing now. Question is, are you going to do it under the Beagle Brew brand or what? There's no Beagle Brew. They, they, they were retired Aww. 15 years ago. I missed the Beagle Brew. Yeah. Now this is Ross BP and CP. You know what that stands for? <laughs> I've told uh, you this before. you told me it before. Yeah, Brew Pub and brew Cocktail Parlor. Yeah. <laughs> But there's also... Beagle Brew is still better. We also have uh, JR's Jazz Den in CP. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think these, I think we may have a merger coming up soon. Just rebrand. Ross's Jazz Den BP and CP. How about that? Too many acronyms. <laughs> I know. Beagle Brew was just awesome. Yeah, that's a good name. You're right. That is a good name. Anyway. Um, so, TDX, yeah. So, do we, do we have a date for the uh, happy hour? Uh, the consensus is Wednesday is the best night to do it. So, that's the first night... Of TDX. Okay. Uh, I, I, When's the I, MVP thing? By the way, Tuesday. Tuesday. So you have to get there early. Yeah. For that. Wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think Wednesday's 
the day, and I think McKellar's probably the place. So, and I, I guess... I've, I've always said McKellar, but I've, I think it's Mikkeler. Mikkeler? Yeah, because the guy's name, he's like Danish, right? and his name's, I believe his name is Mikkel. Mm-hmm. That's how you pronounce it. Okay. So, Mikkeler, Mikkeler, whatever. Anyway, yeah, it's it's just, it's right across, what's that main road? Uh, uh, market. It's just right across Market. You do have to walk through. It's it is slightly seedy as soon as you cross market right there because you're in the tenderloin. Yeah. Was it? Were you with me last time I was there? And we we saw this like huge fight between these like two women. No, I think you had no. gone off yeah. and I went a separate direction that I was, day. I think I was drinking by myself that night. <laughs> no, I think you went with a group of people, but I I had to work, which sucked. <laughs> yeah. So I went back to the room to work. Oh, but yeah, you worked that whole time. I know. That was horrible. It was horrible. Uh, okay, John, well, what do we have topical-wise? Not much. I mean, it is what it is. We, we lost our chief people officer at Salesforce. Yeah, I saw that. I don't, I don't know what to think of that. I mean, other than it's just the, whatever. It's the standard um, leaving to spend more time with my family kind of exit. <laughs> you almost made me spend a microphone. <laughs> You're right, it was. And, I mean, whatever. Now I, now I need you to decode this for me. Is chief people officer, is that the cool and hip way to say HR director? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then... Which, I, I mean, someone, you, should be, you should be all for that. You hate the term resources, so... I hate the term human resources. Do you know, I can't say resources without you not lifting if, Not eyebrow. if you're referring to humans when you say that. And well, it's a little bit harder to lift my eyebrow now, so... That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I do, I'm, I'm a little Frankenstein-ish. You are. I, sh- I, I told the dermatologist, like, I should have planned this around th- uh, around Halloween. Would have made a good Halloween costume. Yeah. Could have made yeah. it work. Paint some bruises on, some blood dripping. Let's stick a few bolts in your neck. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh. what you get when we don't have... Anyway, okay, so tell me about this um, people director leaving. I mean, that's about it. That's all we have. I mean, there's really no information other than... Why was than- this news other than she was, she was supposedly, you know, uh, well, behind some of the... Yeah. Uh, equality pay adjustments, yeah. right? I mean, that, that's it. I mean, that, that's all this article did was rehash. I didn't really her recognize her name. Though. I don't. That's not the name I rec- remember from the articles. But well, there was there was two individuals involved with that, and oh, you know what? Who else is, I hear of? And I don't. I'm surprised. I have the same just popped in my head. But is it Layla Seka? Does that name ring a bell? I think. Yeah, I think I think she was. I don't know what her role is. I thought I thought she was kind of the HR person. Maybe she's more of the. Um, I don't know something else. Something else. Well, I think there was there was one person that brought it to HR's attention, and then they collaborated to bring it to Benioff's attention, and then that's where it originated, is my understanding. But and the PR person's like, "This would play great, guys. I can get this in so many publications for like over and over and over for like the next three years." <laughs> that's so, how, John. That's what you call a team effort. It, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, Salesforce acquired another company, Bonobo AI. Nice. I don't, I've never heard of them before, but... Trying to make, make good on their AI promises? Make it on the AI promises? I mean, what about, once you got Richard Socher, what, what else do you need? I, mean, I don't understand this, John. I don't know. I, I had a link to an article earlier that I wanted to talk about, but then I lost it, and I didn't get a chance to read it, but it was about... Um, I, I think it was... It was it was one. I think maybe it was. Um, By the way, how do you how are you liking your comfortable, amazing setup here? Oh, I love it. Thank you. I don't feel like such I feel a like dork I sitting props here. Props for this, dude. Jeremy so, got me this mic stand to so that when we record mo- photo record mobile, that uh, I'm not having to hold the mic like in, like a dork. Uh, look at me, John. Look at the camera. Oh, look at that! You smile. John smiled for a photo. That's a first. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because last time we recorded here, you were he had to hold the mic the whole time. Yeah, and it got really annoying, and my mic technique really suffered. And what was funny last time, like I looked like the pro with this little dinky thing, and now compared to you, I look like oh, because you, you, not you're only the pro, I I got this, and I've got the computer. That's true. You look like you're in charge. You're running. Yep. I'm you're the running producer. The I'm, yeah. I'm I'm the main, yeah. main man. I'm here. just like some guy you found on the street. But it's really the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. So, I. What's his name? Why can't I remember his name? Who are you talking about? Parker like, Harris. Maybe it was oh, Parker, Parker Harris. Harris. Was it Parker Harris? I don't know. I lost this article. Anyways, maybe it was in our Slack channel where I saw it. 
But anyways, there was, there was uh, something posted about uh, blockchain and how hard of a sell it was in, in trying to get customers to understand the value of it or like customers that tried it out, they either had these certain expectations on it and it just wasn't panning out. And even though they tried to implement it, it never panned out. Well, selling blockchain to customers is like selling, you know, binary trees to them. They don't give a crap. They just want something that works. Like they want a, you know, they want uh, fast searching and and consistent transactions and all that stuff. They don't care about, I mean, if you're talking about selling to, you know, end user customers. Yeah. Of course, in the investment world or in the nerd sphere, I mean, sure, block, talk about blockchain all you want, right? Mm-hmm. And in, what was it? You know, there was like that tea company that renamed themselves to like something, something oh, block- tea blockchain or whatever, yeah. and then like their stock went up like 30% one day. So whatever, all that BS was standing, I mean, notwithstanding. Uh, it's, 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 a tech, it's an implementation detail. Yeah. You know, it just, I mean, like, Oh, do you use, you know, Oracle or Mongo or blockchain? Who gives a crap? Like, is your service good? Is it consistent? Is it fast? Is it reliable? Does it, can I search it fast? You know, like, is it atomic? All those things. That's, that's what people care about. Yeah. And most of them don't even know how to ask for even that. Like, it's just literally like, is it good? Yeah. I mean, this is, listen, Salesforce still, their primary customer, their primary target is like marketing people and salespeople. Like managers of salesmen, marketing people. Yeah. Like they want to know, like, is it good? Will I get fired for picking this thing? They don't know. They don't know blockchain from, you know, any from a blockhead. Actually, you know what? I said no to that, but we had that Accenture topic last week. I wonder who's going to get fired over that one. Hertz Um, and Accenture. I mean, I don't know. Like that's what. And again, of course, the easy thing to do is to dog on Accenture for that, but. No, I mean, I, I, I never had the perspective of dogging on them. I think there's two sides of the story. Yeah, well, we I think, we, I think we were responsible about yeah. that. You know? Yeah. I mean, as much as, as fun yeah. as, it, as it is to dog on Accenture, <laughs> I feel like we were responsible in, in restraining ourselves a little bit. Uh, we don't have the soundboard, so I can't do the tech journalist clip. No, but, we can't uh, do anything. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I guess you could like, point your mic to your speaker or something. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Hold, or hold your phone up to the mic. <laughs> Could. Yeah, we no, we are we are with. Um, see, you got to watch those taps, John. I know. We have uh, we do not have very good. What's it called? Um, sound isolation, I guess. Or uh, <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah, we're in a corner and it's cold. People are loud noises and, and all these and people everywhere. Oh, yeah, and, we're like. I mean, we are. This is probably not the best place to sit either. It's right by the door, and and yeah, we do get a lot of stairs, but that's but all right. we have this partition, so we're separated against the main. Yeah. Which is, which is much louder. Yeah. yeah. That is louder over there. I get some weird looks. That's okay. That's all right. Yep. I just need more beer and then I won't care. I have a little bit of a story to tell. It's super boring now, but it's about, it's computer related. Aw. <clears throat> so, I don't know why, but over the past few weeks, I've particularly noticed this problem I'm having where, and I really notice it um, when I'm on like a Zoom. So, I use Zoom. That's my main, you know, video conferencing thing. Mm-hmm. I was having this problem like every minute to three minutes or so. Um, people will go robot on me and like everything cuts out for two or three seconds. And then it comes back and it's fine. And every time, and I'll do a, and I've done bandwidth, this is at the office, sure. slash studio, our studio. I'll, I'll do a bandwidth test and, and test and it always comes back, you know, we it's a solid, I think we have like 50 up and 50 down. It's always like really consistent and ping time is almost always really good. Like. I can ping whether it's Google or like I'll ping like a random like na11.salesforce.com or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's always like three or four milliseconds. I mean, we're we're on a good we're on a good you know whatever connection. But still, I, I'm having this problem, and so I ended up opening a ticket with our IT support people, and they did some stuff. And so the one thing they had to do, me do was hardwire. Like, oh, you're on wireless, so they had me hardwire. Mm-hmm. And did that, and it went away completely. Of course, I feel like the jackass because, like, I should have known that. Right. I'm not. I'm no dummy. You know, I, like I, I mean, I studied TCP/IP for like a year. I mean, I know. You know, I know. I know enough about networking. Um, but I, but I didn't do my homework. I should have done more. I, I kind of assumed that they had something wrong with their network because I, I, I with just for different ping tests and things I was doing, trace routes, whatever. I determined that like this is not a problem with like any specific other hosts or network or back when I was communicating with, it was across all of them. Mm. And I would keep like a, 
like a, a, a every 10 millisecond or every 100 millisecond ping going on, like really high frequency pinging. And when Zoom would drop out, sure enough, that's when my, my ping times would either, I'd either get um, like greater than 1,000 millisecond uh, latency on pings, yeah. or to the point of it's just, drop, it's just dropping packets, right? And uh, so I was like, okay, this is, it's not, this has it's it's not specific to any. It's not like um, Google's getting slow or Salesforce is getting slow or Zoom's getting slow. This is our this is our network is a problem. But I didn't try hard. <laughs> so the guy has me plugging, and I found I actually had to do the double dongle to get my Ethernet working. <laughs> Luckily, I had that set up still. And since then, actually, I did I didn't get online. I bought a, a USB C, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ethernet, Ethernet thing. Yeah. yeah. But that solved it. I was like, well, and, and the guy's like, yeah, it's just you. It, you guys have so many wireless routers on that floor, and we do. And like, I pull, like you know, you pull down your wireless thing when you're in there, and there's yeah. like 150 wireless yep. networks you can connect to. I'm like, and then, so I'm just assuming, okay, that's what it is. You know, it's just it makes sense. All this, all this, um, what do you call it? Interference. Yeah. But something didn't quite sit right with me because. If, if we do have a lot of interference, it would be more consistent than that. And the reality is, it's like, I can I have solidly amazing ping times. I mean, three to four milliseconds constantly for a minute or two or three or four minutes. And then all of a sudden, for two or three seconds, I've got horrible latency. That's not wireless interference. That's something else. And after a bunch of searching around and stuff, and I don't know if this is Mac specific, I don't know if Windows and Linux suffer from this or not, but what what was happening is every time a website or some service on my computer, whether it's photos or iMessage or all these things, they all are constantly requesting from the system your location, your geographic location. And one of the main ways, at least on the Mac, it determines your location in addition to just your public IP address it looks at all the Wi-Fi network traffic, so it's doing a a Wi-Fi a, like an SSID scan. Hmm. And every time it does one of those like scans, Wi-Fi scans of all the Wi-Fi networks that are around you, that's when for like two or three seconds, it's it's the latency just goes through the roof. It's horrible. I don't know what the hell that was. Someone someone just fell out of the chair. <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't me. <laughs> Because I've been that guy before. <laughs> in public? Oh, unfortunately. in private, but yeah. public, it's, it's a different story. So, so yeah, you can go into system preferences under privacy, and you can, you can see um, location service is one of the things under privacy. And I turned everything off except for the system. So iMessage, all these other things, no, no one can get, even Chrome, no one can get my location anymore. Except for system, because it uses location for, like, your time and some other crap, too. Like, okay, I'll let the system, like... Keep it, but that keeps it. It does. But is lo- it isn't one of those things where if, if one's doing it, then no, because it does it on demand. Like when something requests your location, okay. it looks it up right then. It doesn't like store it or cache it apparently. Okay. And so every once in a while, it still gets my location. The system does, but it's infrequent enough. It's I feel like it's like once every thirty minutes or something. And it's only for like a couple of seconds. So anyway, that's a problem on the back. And I don't know. I'm still on High Sierra. What's the newest one? Mojave? Mojave, yeah. And I don't know if Mojave has this or not. I have no idea. And I don't know if that's a... I mean, what I don't understand is why is it that when it it needs to, like, check the lo- check um, on the Wi-Fi networks that it can connect to, that it can see, I don't know why... Something about that causes just massive latency in your existing connection you have. So anyway, I turned that off and it improved things massively to the point that I'm, I'm, st- I'm, using, I'm, still, I'm back to Wi-Fi and it's, it's fine. Anyway, that's cool. I told you it was boring. It was smart. But it was interesting. I interesting did I did eat up some time, though. Yeah, we, we got to helps turn this into a show. I, I did, we, got a, we got a show to I do. I know we talk about... <laughs> the show must go on. I know we talk about <laughs> testing a lot, but um, so there were some questions asked on, on testing, and I thought it was interesting because I don't know that we've uh, approached testing from this concept. And that's the idea that we have a class, traditionally, and we have, traditionally, a test class to go along with it. I know you have... I'm trying to... I'm trying to... I'm trying to beatbox to this... <laughs> Um, and Josh, and traditionally we have a class and we have a test class. I know you probably don't these days. I think you subscribe to a different because you no. like to do end-to-end functional testing, where oh. I like to do kind of more granular method level testing. It depends on what I'm doing. I mean, I still do um, like just so I an application that I've been working on for the past six months that you're, you you know about, right? Yes. Okay. 
Um, I had recently had to, had to do a trigger um, and I created a, 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 I like to get my triggers, you know, thin and lean, right? Mm-hmm. And there's another class that implemented most of the, the logic and the querying and all that stuff. And then I, and then I created a test class for that. But that's kind of end to end because if you're testing a trigger, that is, that is kind of, yeah. Yeah, I try not kind to of test my end. triggers. My and code, that's my the difference triggers. between me and you. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah I don't mean, I, I definitely, yeah. I mean, like, uh, I don't wire up the trigger until the very end. I, I write all the business logic and then I, no, I test sense. that logic. Right. And then I add the well, trigger because, and then no, test everything. And, 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 because ideally the trigger I'm, should be able to be off and the logic is still Exactly. Be able to be, and I, I get what you're saying. So, you, right, because a trigger is a platform specific thing. And ideally, in a pure world, your tests aren't coupled to platform-specific things, which is why you like to test all your logic independent of triggers. Like, you know what I mean? You know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, it's like, um, I don't know, it's like, it's like testing something that makes OS, like file system calls or whatever. Like, I, I mean, at some point you do have to, if you're doing end-to-end integration, that's like you, mm-hmm. you do have to test the things that actually make network calls or file system calls, but all the stuff in the middle, like you want to isolate that and test all that logic by itself. Yeah. But yes, to your point, and, and what I've said before, in the Salesforce world, I'm getting much more value, and my clients, I feel like, are getting more value out of me really focusing on end-to-end tests. If I'm covering end-to-end tests, um, and if my code's good, my code, You're not your it. code, my code, oh. my code's good, then you can, you can actually cover you know, plenty of your code paths with end-to-end tests. And if you can't, that's because you're, you probably need to fix some of your code. I agree. I mean, I... I not that most, there's not advantages to unit tests. I, I'm not saying there's not. Because unit tests will tell you more specifically where something failed, whereas integration tests only tell you something failed, but you got to go... Sometimes you have to... It doesn't... It's not as precise as telling you where it failed. Yeah. I, I think to a certain extent... And it's it, a trade-off. It a it's it's all trade-offs. Like, sure, if I had unlimited budget... Would I want a full unit test suite and full integration test suite and full functional test? Sure. But I view it more as regression <laughs> testing than anything yeah, because no, you're right. if I can get granular, and I don't, I don't mean like at the private level, I mean at the, any public interface on my class would get it, its own method for yep. testing. Um, I feel like that gives me a better chance at proper regression testing versus just validating the system. But anyway, so, so the main point is that now we have this new feature called test setup, which allows you to have a single test method that will set up a, a bunch of data for you. And um, a lot of us have kind of been trying to figure out the best way to use that. You know why I use that? Because forever, the way I did all my test setup was in a static method of the test class. Mm-hmm. Because you, know, you think of the fact that you know Salesforce runs on Java, and if you know anything about Java or .NET, I'm sure very similar. Classes are lazily loaded. It's not like when the system boots up or when Salesforce fires up one of its pods. It doesn't go and search find every class that needs to be referenced and loads all those up. They're all loaded on demand, usually. I mean, I'm, I don't know. There's, Salesforce might do some crazy like prefetching or whatever of classes. But generally speaking, the class is not loaded into the VM until it's referenced. And what it is loaded, the first one of the first things that fires is the statics. Mm-hmm. So if you're setting a static field to a certain value, or if you have a static block, and that's what I've used in, t- in my test classes, I'd have a static block. So just like literally at the top level of the class, I have static open curly bracket, you know. Yep. And then I'm and I'm inserting records and stuff, right? So Which that, I still use. Yep. I have and, scenarios where that comes to play, and we can talk about that. And I've but I've switched to test setup or this at is yeah. it setup it's, test it's or test setup? Test setup. Right? Yep. So test setup, and I've switched to that. Um, because I've done side-by-side tests and it's way faster for some reason that I don't understand. I agree. The downside is, so with, so here, okay, one, one other benefit of, a, of the static block to initialize is that you can, you can store references to like whatever you're, let's say you're inserting an account. Yep. You can store a reference to that in a static yep. field on the, t- on the test class and then in your actual test methods, your individual test cases, you can reference that. But that doesn't work with test setup. I don't know why. Because well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different transaction. Okay, that's fine. I don't, I don't want to get too pedantic, but for whatever reason, right, you, if you, you can set a static variable, a static field to something in that test setup, mm-hmm. and then when your actual test runs, it's, it's not set anymore. It's null. Right. So that's the downside of using test setup is that in your test methods themselves, you actually have to re-query any references you need to things. Yeah. 
Which is why I, I have I have these layers now of utility methods. So I have my base utility test factory. Which is this in GitHub or what? Because if not, it, it doesn't exist to me. It's no, dead to me. It doesn't exist. It's dead. Then. It's okay. dead. Yep. That's, I mean, I mean, what's the mark? It, I'm going to cut. I'm going to cut this out of the show. It's, it's, it's my framework, Jeremy. Oh, Thirty-eight twenty-seven. Okay, it's going to get cut. It's my it's my framework. <laughs> okay. My my framework. My framework. Oh, there's a title right there. <laughs> I'm going to make a ton of my shirts. So it's going to be my code, my framework. My oh, trigger. by the way, I got to give a shout out to. Um, I don't have the URL with me, but I ordered just the other day some of these. Uh, I, I meant to order some before, but I forgot. I'm glad. That, I'm glad. Uh, who is it? It's uh, oh, the, half the penny. Shirt. It's half penny that yeah. keeps posting these, right? The, the what is it? What's the what's the? Okay, John will find the URL, but it's you know they've set up a Teespring, basically is what it is. But then they got all these you know they're just these nerdy Salesforce shirts. But I bought a I bought a happy soup for me, and I bought um, a deployment fish for my wife. <laughs> Is it shirt force? Is that what it is? Uh, maybe so. I think that's it. Anyway, you, everyone should go there. These shirts are hilarious. They're they're funny. And I think it's a. I think it, I think they're donating the proceeds to a, some kind of uh, charitable cause. So yeah, I'm pretty sure it's shirtforce.org. Shirt. Shark force. Shirt. S h i r t force dot org. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're, we're. I mean, I, so this so there's there's ways to use test setup and, and I think it's it's a combination of a lot of different things but like I was saying I have my test utility that does that has all the factory methods for for the objects that I need um, but now I've started creating additional test methods that are kind of more focused on say a module of functionality for lack of a better word if I have some feature that does a certain amount of logic and that's logic spans across multiple classes I'll have a single utility class test utility class for that particular module, and it has its own kind of set of helper methods. So methods that will create a certain type of scenario for myself or, um, but that's oh, like a whole family of things. Right. Okay. Yeah. So okay. it'll have a bunch of granular methods in it that are exposed publicly in case I need to piecemeal make it for a certain test. Yep. But it'll also have just like a basic or one or two scenario methods where it'll just like set up it all. Um, and I found that to be pretty effective because I can put that in my test setup. It's and then, very reusable, right? You can it, it is yeah. because when I spend, as I add new features or add new classes, I'm able to leverage that that stuff. And a lot of times these are really deep, especially now that I've been doing a lot of field service lightning, which is the data model is huge. Yeah. The the amount of hierarchy in the data model or just uh, junction objects that that you have to kind of work with it's it's tough. So to set up a graph of data is is an undertaking. I yep. mean, it's it's a day's work of you just to set up the test data. Well, here's the other problem. This is this is where the whole trigger model becomes a problem. Just setting up yeah. the graph of data, you'll you'll hit limits. Toss in a bunch of automation with process yeah, builder and flows, and I've been coming across all kinds of issues. Things where I'm like, I have to I have to accept the fact that when I deploy this, I have to go turn off a process builder because I just don't have a good understanding of what is happening here to say, here's how I set up my test. So I always, and via whatever method you want, I always, uh, I think it's important to have the ability to turn off all triggers because sometimes you just want to sideload a bunch of data without firing any triggers. You'll, it's, it's all on you to set it up because triggers aren't going to like do anything for you, but it's all on you. If you just want to sideload some raw data, you need the ability to do that because so you don't hit limits. Well, you're, you're making the case triggers, for a trigger framework, but at the same time, uh, uh, that's why I said whatever, whatever you want a trigger framework or whatever. You just want a simple like, if you just have a simple field to disable all of, like a global variable to disable all your triggers. That's fine too. Whatever you want to do, um, but some way to do that. But that takes foresight and that takes uh, oh, sure. being around. Like I mean, a lot of times when well, you're that's why the show that's what the show's for, John. This is your foresight. <laughs> I mean, it takes being around. I mean, if, if you're building something and you know there's there's other teams building stuff or the client's about to take ownership of the code, it's it's or maybe it makes no it difficult maybe to make no some client. of those. Maybe this is just you're, you have, you know you, yeah. you you have a corporate job or you've uh, you build a product or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm the other woman coming into a, to a client's work and and I'm like, I don't know if I want to mess with that trigger. I it looks I can read it and I'm I I feel like I should inject my my code here into the stack because we all kind of. In the industry, agree that where there's one trigger method for everyone, and to 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 be able to control order of operations, we we're all going to use the same thing. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't control that class. What if they decide that other team decides they want to get rid of that class, or the other team decides they want to they're using it in a certain way that I wasn't expecting? So there's well, this, what there's interfaces this, are for. That's why that's why something like a trigger framework is actually yeah, kind of no good. Does that I mean, and, and a lot of times these orgs are, except, are, except for the people that do, John. All right, you tell me who's doing that. 
I mean, when I can meet. on trivial on trivial code that ends up in an org that has oh, grown different. over time. Oh no, that's different. And that's but that's and that, not that's your responsibility though. That's not your. You if, know? I, if I'm tasked and I, I'm working on a big enterprise and we have this big project and we know we need these things and we need these interfaces because we know this is going to grow and scale, fine. We got budget and we can do that. But if I'm if if I'm in this org where we've kind of just been layering over iteration over iteration, just yeah. new functionality, right. that type of foresight doesn't happen. No, I, I'm, and, I'm, and, I don't have a crystal ball that says, right. oh, in in a month's time you're going to need you're, you should use an interface here because you're going to need yep. to modify no, it later. I understand. And I'm I'm you you know listen as a as a working software engineer, especially if you do consulting, um, you get dropped into like the Vietnam of the 1960s, late 60s Vietnam of, of code bases all the time. Yeah. See so you guys. Um, and yeah, you have to be able to deal. Yeah. And it's not ideal. I mean, again, back to some of the stuff you know I'm dealing with right now. Very not ideal. I mean, easily a million dollars of technical debt. Um, yeah. That will have to be paid. That's good to hear. That needs to be paid down over the next two to four years. Yeah. Right? Or, or some of it will just actually... Um, What's the word called? Not obsolete. Um, yeah, maybe this obsoletes itself. So some of it will just actually be become unused. No atrophy, maybe. No, no, not even that. Some of it will just, will just be stuff that goes away. Um, it just so you don't need to. It's yes, it was debt, but it's, it's, it gets written off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it goes away because it doesn't matter anymore. It's code that's not going to be used. It's stuff that's okay. not going to be used. But the stuff that is going to be used that's gets a part of the future. Yeah, I mean, you got to. It's there, and um, but I mean, that's just you know, this is life. I mean, this is life as a again as a. It's not very often that you get to you get an opportunity where you get dropped into a, a greenfield, yeah, and you get to you know like build your own little uh, Minecraft world from scratch just the, just the way you like it. it that, this is very rare. In some respects, getting dropped into a greenfield is is a stressor because you don't know what you yeah, what you then need. You can, then you suffer from paralysis because yeah. you're like, oh my god, I got a greenfield, I can do this perfect, and then you like <laughs> you're like, oh crap, well. I don't even know where to start because I I, I'm afraid to make a decision because I don't want to make a wrong decision. It's almost like having and having I, that old and code. Here's is, the other thing: I have no one to blame it on if this doesn't work out well, <laughs> except for myself. It's your fault. <laughs> I don't want it to be my fault, but yeah, yeah. There, there's a certain part of me that likes having existing code because then I can kind of see the pitfalls to a certain extent. Yeah. But having the green field, it's just I. If I don't temper myself, I will over-engineer something. If I don't temper myself, I feel like I will back myself into a corner. It, for the sake of trying to create something that's flexible or configurable, um, just for the sake of it, because I'm trying yeah. to build for scale, yeah. or just kind of what will we call it, uh, prematurely optimize. Yes. Yeah. The root so. of all evil. Yeah. So I don't know that there's a hard fast rule popping the stack to to using the test method, but I think it's 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 an art form that a lot of us will have to kind of just figure out as we go. There are ways to create you know test scenarios that I think that I think can help get you the 90% of the way. But if you're trying to test very specific scenarios, you're going to have to, you're still going to have to create data in your test method itself because the, the whole purpose of that test setup is to kind of set up that kind of background information. So say you're testing an opportunity. You really want to use your test setup method to create your accounts and contacts and leave the creation of the opportunity to your test method so you can kind of control at a more granular level the data itself to meet your scenario. But... It's it's an art form more than anything, I think. Yeah, and if I had to offer advice, you know, it, especially this is software. You know, it's not like we're building bridge. I mean, we're making business software, right? At least, at least I am. I'm, I mean, I've I've done I've veered into into the medical space somewhat, but it's none of it's like life critical stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're not building bridges. That's not the kind of engineering we're doing. I'm not making um, I'm not making implantable cardiac devices. Right. No one's going to die or live because of the software I write. And so it's engineering, and engineering is all just about trade-offs. And, yeah. and no one's going to die if I make the wrong trade-off. I mean, you know, it might not make quite as much money or whatever, but that's not the end of the world by any stretch. So, you know, you, uh, you look at your trade-off and you, you make the, you know, and again, that's, this is why, you know, having, having some good experience or, or um, having some good mentors or being on a really uh, good teams is, is helpful because... You have to kind of leverage that hive mind, and you make just the best decision you have at the moment, yeah. based on the information you have, and you move on because you know engineering is like the practical application of science or and, and techniques and things, right? So uh, you and you've got you've got a task with a budget and a timeline, mm -hmm. and you've got to get stuff done. Yeah, and to me, that's engineering. That's what engineering is. 
That's problem solving. I mean, it's. Yeah. But, it, but comes problem solving can get can get real navel gazy, uh, yeah. like the perfect way to solve a problem, the most elegant, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm t- do I like elegance? Yes. Do I want my code to be as elegant as possible? Yes. But am I willing to sacrifice all for the you know the most t- the time, my clients' money, everything, to have the most elegant code? No, because you know why? My clients really don't give a shit about elegant code. Well, to, to that except, point, except to the extent that. If the code is more usable, readable, maintainable, it's going to make them more money or, or solve their problem better. Right. But you can't you can't measure the elegance of a code when it's written. It only happens after you try to modify it or maintain it or test it. It's it's that, it's, it's that's a good test of elegance. Sure, right. sure, right. That, and that's how you validate that it's elegant. I mean, I've always said that if 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 my code my code <laughs> I can't say it. I, I have to say it. Not say it. <laughs> If if I need to modify my code or, or some client throws like a like this curveball to me and I'm like yeah I can do that that's easily done because of the way I architected it I felt like I did my job right um, but that's not always possible because I don't always know it just happened that I designed it a certain way that 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 allowed for that but that's not it wasn't intentional most of the time I just tried to use my best practices in my experience to try to write something to the best of my ability and thus it made something easier but it wasn't something I could easily predict it just kind of happened maybe luck I don't know or just experience I'll I'll take luck I'll take all the luck I'll take lady luck yeah sure yeah so I don't know I've been thinking about a lot about just kind of code in general and designing code and where the right place is to design things why are you wasting your time worrying about code um, because we're in the fourth industrial revolution now, don't you know that? Haven't you listened to the thought leaders out there? Einstein's going to be writing our code for us. We don't. We're going to need coders I, anymore. I, I've been having a lot of conversations about the role of a technical architect in general in the Salesforce world and how it's seemingly diminishing. I don't. I don't know how you feel about that, but I've, I've been. Ha- I don't buy that at all. I don't buy it, all. but I think not for a second. But the industry, in terms of Salesforce and the the raw raw and the cheerleading, is pushing architects out. Or technical architects, I should say. So much of the solutioning is, is happening at a solution architecture or solution or solution engineering. These titles mean nothing to nobody. Essentially, what I'm saying is, is so much of the platform is point and click. Now that we have flows and we have process builder and they're continuing to get better, that is the default implementation. There's no consideration of code yeah. in, in a lot of instances. And when it comes to estimate, estimate, estimation and SOW, I like estimization. Like estimization. And uh, statement of works and things that get produced, the default assumption is that you can do that natively. You can do that with a flow. You can do that with a process builder, whether it's the right technology for the job or not. And it makes it really difficult when you're architecting solutions to come in and, and have to blow that out of the water and say that's not the right fit. I mean, the thing is, like, I mean, sure, does, does some process builder or some workflow here or there reduce some of you know, lines of Apex code you have to write? Sure. Um, but the choice to do a workflow, the choice to do a process builder, then those choices in and of themselves are trade-offs. There's advantages to them and there's disadvantages to them. And unless you've just got some itty-bitty project or whatever, you actually do need it. I mean, assuming you have a significant project, yeah. you actually do need someone who's got that technical architect skill set who understands all these trade-offs. I mean, these are all tools. Yeah. And this is this is where I am now. I mean, I can, you know, I mean, I, you don't have to listen to me to listen to negatives about Process Builder or any, or any of these other tools or Apex Code or custom code in general. Custom code. Custom code. Mike. So, so It's such a dangerous thing. Custom code. It's like walking around with a, a, a sharp knife or something, um, which it kind of is, actually. I mean, that's running I with scissors. That, it kind of is. <laughs> I mean, kind of all these things are. And you have to, you need to understand. I mean, these are not, there's, I don't care how pointy, clicky, draggy, droppy, or code or whatever, all these things get, it still is not, it's not like it's easy to right. build some big solution to a $500,000 problem. A $500,000 problem needs, or, and I'm, that's, that's on the low end. I mean, so many people are, that we know are working on multi-million dollar projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you need someone who understands the, the problem to be solved, all these tools we have at our avail to right. solve them with, and who can orchestrate together the right combination of these things to, to make those trade-offs. I think that's key. That's, not going, that's that, not going anywhere. I don't care. Again, and, and it's great. You know, we've got more tools that, that put the control of logic in 
people's hands who are not necessarily coders. I mean, look at how some of these uh, statistical and and machine learning tools they they they've given to um, like scientists who aren't necessarily coders. I mean, it lets them get stuff done, lets them get their job done. I mean, is it is it amazing code? Is it elegant code? Is it highly testable? No, but I mean, like it got them down the road, and maybe that maybe that. Um, Anytime you can get yourself down the road to more information about your problem, about your solution, about your customers, about the market, if that was if that was relatively cheap to get there, and by relatively cheap I mean um, something a scientist could do, something an anatomy could do, some draggy choppy, and if it, if it was a relatively low investment, that may have been a way better payoff than having someone code something up. Hmm. That's, that's, that's a perspective that's I mind? didn't consider. That's your mind? D- that did. It did. Right, and, and what you may find out when you get there, though, is that, okay, we've learned way more, and we're going to pivot, and we have a much better idea of our solution, our problem, and our market. Now we want to focus on engineering quality. Yeah. Now we want to rethink some of these tools we're using or whatever. So, every and you've brought this up before. I've heard other people bring it up, like the, you know, software engineers are going away. We don't. It, some of the things we were doing are will be replaced by things that aren't necessarily code. But there's so many more problems to solve. You still have this need for someone who's an architect. And and I even hate the term architect. To me, what's an architect? It's just, I don't know, is that just a really experienced software engineer or, or engineer in general? It's a pay grade. I mean, yeah, if I make more money, sure, I'll call myself that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only reason I accept it. I mean, that's, that's, a pay grade. that's pretty much what people are doing. Yeah. You want to make more money? Call yourself an architect. Yeah. I mean, th- this debate's gone, gone on for 20 years now. I remember uh, Martin Fowler had a... He had a... Um, it was his architect. Uh, oh gosh, I won't get this right. You'll have to someone will have to go find it. But it was like basically the astro, uh, like a astronaut architect, meaning like pie in the sky BS mm-hmm. versus. Um, it was like architect aresis or something like that. It turns out that was like the Latin word for like rice, which is he knew some. I can't remember who it was now. Someone with their last name of rice who was an amazing architect, like a really good architect. Mm-hmm. And so it was like architect, you know, Sky versus architect Aresis or whatever. He had those different, but they were both Latin names, you know, but it's interesting. It was like the difference between the two types of architects, meaning an actual really good architect versus the BS ivory tower, fast talking BS architect that we run into. That's a type of you see quite a bit in this business. Well, I, I think, and I think to that point, I think what's happening is, is there's this, I'm not sure where this came about, but there, there became this this idea that there's a solution architect and there's a technical architect, and the solution architect does all the point and clicky native stuff, and the technical yeah. architect does all the I mean, code stuff, and it created this divide in, yeah. in the solution or in the implementation that says this is your thing, this is my thing, and if there's no custom code or integration, I don't need you. This is I, this I, is I, I could do this part. This is a little bit too Tayloristic for me. Tayloristic, yeah, Frederick Taylor. Um, Frederick Taylor. It's like it was like the the father of. Uh, like work, like division of labor, um, almost always referred to in a negative light these days, because it was the idea that you can just like break down human work into these divisions of labor and and keep everyone oh, keep keep the human resources siloed into their little job. Well, it's specialized, and, and I think it's overly simplistic. I, I just think the idea of like you have the solution architect over here doing this type of stuff and this technical architect and this. I think that even not. All, I think it's all a these things crazy that, for I, I, I'm uncomfortable by the clarity of which people think they're drawing lines between these things. Yeah, I think these things are the lines between these things are sloppily drawn by their nature, and we should be comfortable with that. I mean, I'm coming to the opinion that there shouldn't be a, the idea of a solution architect or a techno architect. That there should just be an architect. Or I mean, just, we don't have solution I've PMs just, and technical PMs. We don't have solution BAs and technical BAs. We don't have solution... Well, we, actually, we do have solution engineers and technical engineers because right. it rolls down. It rolls down to we need someone who can point and click and we need someone who can code. It's, it's this human nature need to, to categorize Well, it's catering things, to, to categorize things. It's catering, it is. It's catering to people who it's have like, certain yeah, skills. So we, we need a hierarchy. We need categories. We need to know what to pay you, what to call you. We need to who, know who's reporting to who. It's like... And, and that's what... Again, I mean, I know this is like... I'm beat everyone up the head with this, but this is what Agile changed 20 years ago. Everyone is, you put people on a team and they're kind of equal, I mean, you should, everyone could, should be treated as equals as much as possible. I don't know there's inequality. And we're collaborating. It, but, but that's what these hierarchies do. That's their goal. Is to yeah. establish command hierarchies. It, it, yeah, it, it's ownership, it's responsibility. Yes, it's, and it's just, you know, and it's not, it turns out it's just not, it's actually not the way, best way to solve problems. It'll, and 
I think, in my opinion, in most cases. And it's not. I mean, we from from the architecture perspective, we roll it down to the implementation team, which, which is the people doing the actual work. So we're, we're the, the pie-in-the-sky guys and the, the engineers are doing the actual development. And we, we basically have to read have every conversation we've already had with the client internally to, to do this knowledge transfer. Think of, um, also, this goes again back to, back to Agile. So, I mean, the, the, some of these principles, and I'm not sure which flavors of Agile were most most touted these, but the idea was like, instead of having like your database guy and your UI guy and whatever, like people should be actually cr- much as cross-trained as possible. Like, teach your UI guy some database stuff. And I say guy. Of course, I always mean guy, gal. I, I, I use that term generically, of course. Um, people should be somewhat cross-trained so that I can pull a ticket. I can move a ticket from the backlog to in progress and it's got it's got a new UI screen. It's got, I need to write a new store procedure or something and it's, you know, and, and maybe, maybe if I need to, I'll grab a buddy next to me and we'll collaborate because he knows a little bit more about the database than I do. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. I mean, that, that kind of knowledge sharing and breaking down those artificial barriers that some accountant thought he needed so he could categorize us correctly is a, is a good thing. Yeah. It's more. It's getting more productive. It 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 encourages the sharing of knowledge, the cross the cross training that it just makes it just makes you a health, it makes a healthier project. It's yeah. more resilient to change. It's more resilient to to when if you lose someone because you know that's the reality of business is you're always gaining and losing people. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think it reduces so, your not your bus factor. This is a negative term I've heard. It's the lottery <laughs> factor. If someone if someone wins the lottery, if your database gal wins the lottery, what does that happen to your project? What happens to your project? And if she was the only one who knew anything about the database and all the store procedures and all this magic going on under the hood, then you're screwed. But if you guys work together on if you you know if you, if, if you paired up and work together on some stuff and you kind of cross trained a little bit and you know two or three of the other people know a decent amount of the database, you'll probably be okay. You still yeah. may want to eventually hire some database expert if you're doing all kinds of like super crazy database optimized stuff, but you know, but you can handle, you can deal with that. Yeah, it's not going to kill your project. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think I think there's a certain amount. The, the the issue is more complicated than that. I think there's a certain amount of just trying to play to people's skill sets. You know, find ways to help them succeed with what they what they're good at. You know, some play to skill sets without pigeonholing to skill yeah, sets. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the whole reason we have architects in the Salesforce world is because architects need to be client facing. We need to be there collecting requirements, talking to people, asking the right kind of questions, and that's that's an art form in itself. I think that's not client facing. Well, maybe, but do you think how many developers you know are just just not good at talking to people, not good at gathering requirements? But you give them an assignment to do some really complex well, some algorithm, developers need and help. they can do that. Some developers need to work on their communication skills, and I'm totally fine with that. Okay. I mean, that, that's a valid. That's it'll, a valid make a, it'll make them a better. Developer. That's a valid opinion. I'm just saying. Yeah. I think that's some of what we're seeing is is playing to people's strengths and you know, letting them live where they're comfortable. Yeah. Well, hey, it's true. I mean, and, and you know, again, sometimes when you get out of our comfort zone a little bit, it makes us more well-rounded individuals. Yeah. I mean, I've been I've been stretched pretty thin out of my comfort zone and holding the things that I had no clue yeah. what I was doing, and I either succeeded or failed. Probably failed more often than succeeded, but it. You, it, you, it adds to what I am today, for right. sure. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, that was a good conversation, I think. That's pretty I mean, good for I, a zero preparation I, I, show. I huh? feel like, I mean, the com- <laughs> it does kind of go round and round with a lot of kind of non-committal answers, but I, it's just it's just one of those things that just again I keep going back to art form. It's just this strategy, this art form. You just kind of have to figure out and what works best for you. I don't. I'm still trying to figure it out. I, I you never I, stop. I, you never it's stop. like it's like. You don't have to be a chef to know that food tastes bad, right? You can, you That's can, true. You can taste it, and you can you, you know that it tastes that bad. Was, that was a beer delivery, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I feel like this, that's kind of what we're seeing with, with Salesforce implementation teams in general. That is a sour IPA. You into sour IPAs yet? No. It's like, it's like, the new, it's like one of the newer things. I don't know I'm if I'm not, into a sour I'm, IPA. I'm not either. I'm still... I don't like the idea of a sour IPA. I've always said that sour and... IPA don't made up well. Well, well. Mainly sour and bitter don't go together. Like bitter by itself, sour by itself. I feel like sour and bitter don't go don't don't go well together. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to warm up to sour and a not bitter IPA, but a, just a pure like hoppy IPA. Like these these low bitter hoppy IPAs. Yeah. I mean, I think you can sour those a little bit, bring the pH down some, 
Not yeah. super sour because that just it's too much going on. It's like it's it's like a cacophony in my mouth. <laughs> oh, that's got to be the title. <laughs> no, we can't. It can't be because it's it's too similar to the title of our number episode number one. Oh, that's right. Cacophony of energy. Can I say into that? <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Hey, I'm running out of stuff. Stick a fork in me whenever. I'm fine. Let's, let's, I mean, let's... we got. There's a lot of beers on this board I haven't tried yet, so. I'm <laughs> well, I'm, I'm reaching my end because my bladder's telling me I'm I'm done. That's, that that is usually our natural limit is John's bladder. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you, it's, you have TBS, John. You know what that huh? is? No. You have TBS, tiny bladder syndrome. <laughs> you know what it is. <laughs> it's. I'll tell you what it is because I work from home. And you get to oh, no. You know what? I'm, and at a moment's notice, if I if too. I even I have a little bit have to go, I go. So you haven't trained your bladder. When I was when I was in school, you know, they should make a movie school, called how to, never, how to Train Your Bladder. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, when I'm in school, I don't like public restrooms at all. I despise them, so no, I avoid them I, as uh, much as possible. You, you don't don't lie. You love public bathrooms and you love you love uh, buffets. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so I would avoid them at all costs. So my bladder was just probably just trained to never go unless I was near my home, which made things awkward. Whenever you're like at the door and you can't unlock your door and you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> let's end it All there. Right, so we have TDX coming up. That's the end TDX. of May. Um, yeah, let's. Um, we have sessions posted on theextracurricular.org. I'm still kind of cleaning up the site and yep. adding it, more details, but we do have sessions and speakers posted and their topics. Those should show up in the event tracker, I'm, I'm, as I understand it, or your agenda planner. Planner. I haven't seen them yet. At least not on the website. Maybe they're on the app, but. Um, Keep an eye out for those, but if you want to see who's who's going to be there, who's going to speak, uh, those will be there. We'll start to add more information as we get it in terms of times and panelists and all those kind of things. So that's exciting. So plan on a plan on a Wednesday night happy hour. Yep. And then um, again, if anyone wants to get together Thursday, I'm st- I'm I don't have to head to the airport until like probably ten or eleven. So probably be interested in getting some dinner and what have you. Yeah. Like us on the socials. Uh, share yep. us. Join the Slack. Join the Slack. How do you do that, John? Gooddaysirpodcast.com. Click on community. Uh, you should be able to do forward slash community, too. I think that works now. <laughs> We've joined the big Fancy. leagues. Fancy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this, is modern, this is modern web technology at yeah. its finest. Yeah. You'll get a nice little form to enter your email address that comes directly to me. And I do have to add you manually, so be, please be patient. I, I do my best to keep up with it. You're pretty good at that. That's like... You're more responsive to that than anything. I, I can, if I ever want to communicate to you, I just should should just like fill out that form and put like my note in the email address, and that you'd get back to me much faster than if Probably. I text you. <laughs> Probably. Uh, see what else? Um, yeah, is that it? Yes, yeah, uh, Info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. If you want to just Maybe give us feedback, us or, or feedback or topics or questions, yeah. and, and uh, you want us to we talk about it on the show, name. we might. If if not, we won't. That's fine too. What else? You tell your friends. Tell tell your tell your coworkers and and. The people you you meet at uh, these conferences and things. Hey, you know, listen to this good day, sir. Yeah. Guys, that's that's how you grow grow the business, John. Word of mouth. Is this a business? The best way. This is not a business. It's not a business. This is not a business. It's <laughs> not something. even a nonprofit. It's like a no, like it's, negative profit. Yeah. It's like in the red. Yeah, that's right. It's because I keep buying like random stuff. Like, you know, we, like we, cups, we say it's like, in the red. Uh, coasters. Uh, I know. Yeah, two dollars per coaster. Yeah, we say it's in the red, but uh, we we do it because we we get a profit out of it in terms of in our, the heart, a profit you know, of the in heart. In terms of it, just yeah. Cause, I mean, it's it's <laughs> I do this for just my own personal enjoyment. You know, it's like it's one of those things. I like to keep it honest. That's why this is a podcast, and, and that's it. That's all it is. Yeah, like to keep it honest and. Uh, and free. free of any uh, outside influences. Although, uh, although you like to plug growlers. Uh, uh, oh well, no, I will always plug my friends. I will plug. Let's see, do I have any other friends that need to be plugged? Um, that didn't sound quite right. <laughs> that didn't come out right. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I feel like someone else had something they were promoting. Um, I will say I haven't watched it yet, but um, Leo Alves posted um, this talk he gave. Oh, right. Um, yeah. That was about splitting up your big, you know, Salesforce code base into packages. And this is not for ISVs. This is just your typical typical enterprise corporate thing. So I am uh, looking forward to checking that out. 
you can either probably find that on YouTube. I think it was YouTube, or you can just look in our Slack, and it's it's going to be in there in the general channel, I believe. Who else? Does anyone else uh, need to be plugged? Uh, open Force. Oh, I would say um, um, Open Force. What's that? Oh, that's our. Uh, that's the. Kind of open source arc or kind of gathering points of index of, or table of contents of, of yes, open source like, uh, Salesforce related. It's almost like the Salesforce awesome of of because you know all these things have like they're something awesome. Mm-hmm. View awesome, all these whatever. Um, yep. Anyway, okay. Let's wrap it up, John. That's uh, that's all I got. Oh, and to that, I say good day, sir. Oh, wait a minute. Uh oh. Happy birthday, Jeremy. Oh yeah. It's true. Yep. Another another revolution around the sun, John. You old man. Oh. And to that, I say good day, sir. <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>